Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. tonight doing something a little different my name is Stephen Platinum and I'm going to be joined by the one and only Mr. Scenic City former wrestler of the year all-around good dude Gunner Miller is going to be joining me and um, I know you're used to me introducing Larry but he's going to be producing this bad boy so he's still going to be around and um, that's what we're going to do today uh, is Gunnar Miller on board? I'm here, man. What's up, Platinum? Sweet, man. <laughs> <laughs> good to hear you. Good to hear you. How, how you holding up in all this madness, man? How you holding up? Man, you know what? I'm good. I'm in logistics, you know, for the most part. So right. I'm able to go into – we're essential. I'm able to go into work and go into the office, you know, a few days out of the week. But with my girlfriend, Tia, and her son – you know, I try yeah. to stay home at least a couple of days and uh, help take care of him, take a little stress off of her so she can actually get some work done as well. So uh, everything is good, though, man. Everything is good. How about you? I'm doing well. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more uh, road warrior for me where I'm like uh, I'm scrounging for work. Um, I'm getting it, but it's, it's ha- happening in the most strange way. So I'm driving out to Clearwater, Florida, which is like a couple hours away. It's near Tampa. Uh, I go there two days a week, um, and then I've gotten a bunch of consulting jobs, like for schools in England and all kinds of crazy stuff. So, you know, I've been I've been keeping busy, most definitely, and cranking these videos out and all the rest of that good stuff. So, well, consulting yeah. that's the perks of being smart and intelligent, there, Platinum. I don't have those jobs coming my way. <laughs> yeah, it's, you have too much integrity, I think, to, <laughs> to pass yourself off as, a, as an expert. As a, I'm, I'm completely shameless at this point. So, uh, Gunnar, I'm, you know, Larry's the one who thought of you for this because he, he, um, he just wasn't up to doing it tonight. And I was like, I wanted to have a discussion because you're, you're a well-read guy. You're a guy who I tend to think thinks – a couple of steps ahead of most people. 
And my contention in the full disclosure video was that wrestling for all intents and purposes, WrestleMania 36 showed me that pro wrestling um, as in its current state, or what I would say was its current state months ago, is dead. And we're finding out that it's going to have to become a very different thing. Now, maybe I'm wrong about that, but I was just interested in having a discussion about changes that people could possibly make, um, especially based on, you know, wrestling's a very different animal. Like, you love UFC, I love UFC, right? So we have like yeah. a touchstone in the combat sports. Um, we're also, of course, you know, we're consumers of entertainment media as well, and there's a ton of that out there. I'm just curious, you know, we have no crowds at live events right now in pro wrestling. Um, we have a number of wrestling groups that are trying to figure out what to do. Did you watch uh, WrestleMania, any part of WrestleMania by chance? I watched all, I watched all of it, so we can talk all about okay. it if you want to. Right on. So uh, I'll just ask you the blunt question. What did you think of, I mean, the two, the two things of significance for the discussion are Boneyard and um, Firefly Funhouse. What were your general takes on the two of those things? Yeah, so as a fan of, like, movies and horror movies and action films, yeah. I dug the uh, the graveyard or the Boneyard match, and I dug the, I dug the Firefly Funhouse. I thought it was both different. I think it's a, I think it's a peek into the future of what WWE might become, um, mm-hmm. and and if you look at it, we don't have wrestlers that work like we did back in the day, like before I was even born, or you know even in the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. We just don't have that work rate. I don't think of guys that can go out there and really tell a, or I won't say we don't have any of them. They're far and few between of the guys who can go out there and actually work a crowd and, and get the psychology over other than just calling spots. Um, yeah. So I think cinematic matches and, you know, filmed matches and pre-recorded stories might be able to get the, the storyline over more so or the psychology over more so than an actual live match just because you can hide the less talented people behind uh, maybe their acting ability. Maybe they're not as athletic or as entertaining, but, you know, maybe they can actually uh, read a script and, and do their job. And if they don't do it right the first time, you know what, you got another time. Or if you don't do it right the second time, you know what, cut, we'll do it again. You can do it as many times as you need to do it to make it right. Um, and I enjoy both of them. I, I don't know what else you yeah. can do. I'm sure that WWE won't be the uh, – they should be the best the, the the one to produce the highest quality of one, I would say the Boneyards will be pretty hard to top. Um, but you're going to see AEW try it now. You're going to see independent promotions try it now. You're going to see you're going to see Hollywood get into it and possibly try some of it now. I think that we're going in that direction. Yeah, you brought up two things right there that I think are really interesting right off the bat. Um, you know, wrestling survived as a pre-taped medium for decades, right? When they used to bicycle tapes around to different cable stations and different markets and that kind of thing. Now, with the advent of the internet, it killed that, right? Because you couldn't have a crowd sit and watch a match and then another crowd watch the exact same match basically when it would come to their town. You know, internet killed that because guys would report 
on the shows. And that's why, I mean, WCW went live and basically talked about all the Raw pre-tapes and ruined that. That's why Raw was live. Like, we, we think of live television wrestling as the way that you have to go, but the blessing in disguise of having no live crowd is as long as you put a tight lid on your employees, which the WWE clearly did for WrestleMania, right? I mean, I, I read alleged spoilers, and they were almost all wrong, which I found really interesting. You know, I'm curious right. if, like, a disinformation campaign was put out there to make sure that people couldn't trust the people trying to ruin the show. Um, so they could do pre-tapes because you don't have a live crowd. You don't have somebody spoiling anything. Um, and they, they played it off just right. One thing I loved about the, the raw was all this was taped like more than a week ago. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And they still played it off on their storyline. Right. Like, Last night, you know, I just won the title 20 minutes ago, and, like, now I'm having to do this and blah, blah, blah. I thought that was interesting. The thing you brought up about Hollywood, this is the one thing that worries me about pro wrestling dipping into this realm. Because I do – I agree with you. I think it's inevitable to a degree. And um, is – Pro wrestling, um, I think it's interesting that the Boneyard segment, which I think was the better produced of the two, uh, I think Firefly was way more complicated, but it still came across like the wrestling people did it, whereas Boneyard was kind of like uh, another level up, and the reason is they actually hired outside production people to do Boneyard, um, to build the set, to film it to produce it, to do the cutting and the editing was not WWE people primarily. And um, so my, my worry is what makes wrestling different enough that it can survive the, if it's going to throw itself in this realm of Hollywood or well-produced television, independent of pro wrestling, um, are they going to be able to compete with people who have been doing that longer and better. Man, I don't know. I mean, you see how hard it is for some of these wrestlers to kind of transition into Hollywood, right? I mean, yes. it took The Rock 10 years to become a halfway decent actor, and you're talking to The Rock's biggest fan. I mean, I think he's a good actor now, but it took him a long time, you know, and he was one of the most charismatic, entertaining guys to come out of wrestling to transition into Hollywood. Um, John Cena, you know, he's struggling. He's, he's finally now starting to catch his wind in Hollywood and get some breaks. But let's be honest, I mean, a lot of his movies suck. Um, so, and that's two of your top guys to come out of the WWE. So how would they do if they was to get a little bit of competition from some Hollywood top producers? I don't know. I think the key there is to partner up. I know WWE has WWE yeah. studios and they have films. I think the key there is, you know, partner up with a Netflix, partner up with a Amazon Prime or a Apple TV or whatever you need to do. Get a good producer in there through your connections, through a guy like The Rock, through Seven Bucks, you know, Productions or, or something like that. And uh, maybe have some of those guys put a little bit of their spin to it just to get the production value over and uh, let the wrestlers do what they do, but then let the production guys do what they do. Yeah, I I mean, that's a great point. The Another wrestler who has made the transition to film successfully, I think he's a good test study. Because like you said, The Rock took a while. John Cena has taken a while. 
But strangely, Batista did well quickly, relatively quickly. Now, part of that is the projects he got involved in early. I mean, you know, when you when your first major thing is Guardians of the Galaxy, you kind of you stepped in it, right? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's a pretty good get for your first movie. But more than that, he went out of his way. He had the top, the two top acting coaches in the world worked with him immediately. And I think wrestling has to give itself over to, I've been listening, I listen to Jim Cornette a lot and I disagree with him probably about 40% of the time. One of the things he says that drives me insane is, oh, you know, I know that, you know, Cody has had some acting training and a lot of people think his promos are good, but I can see the acting in them. I, I don't think pro wrestling works if you have acting training, which I, I, I just can't wrap my mind around what an ignorant statement that is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, why wouldn't you want to learn a craft? I think I think they got to give up the notion that pro wrestling, when you're speaking and stuff, is not a craft that needs to be learned. I think it absolutely is. Don't you? Yeah. I mean, if there was you know a, a high level acting coach in Chattanooga, Tennessee, that would work on me specifically with promos and getting my character over, which is just me turned up. I would be very interested in that, you know, because that's it's sort of nothing but help you. Worst case scenario, you become a better speaker, you enunciate better, you uh, you're able to deliver your message better in a, you know, just a human setting, in a sales setting, in your job. So, I think that you know, learning to act a certain way from a you know professional acting coach, it, it can't hurt you in anything that you do. I agree. Um, I, one thing I'm, I'm excited about it, when pro wrestling goes this route is I'm, I'm always of the mind that when pro wrestling does slightly different genres, it tends to fail at them badly. And one yeah. of those genres is comedy. I always thought that while I, I mean, it's, uh, funny doesn't make money. Pro wrestling has always resisted this notion, right? That humor is, is you can't make money with it and blah, blah, blah. I think the problem is when pro wrestling does humor, it's so overt and base and it doesn't serve a greater thing. It's just like, Oh, let's make them laugh by doing this silly spot where the guy falls with his face between his partner's legs. Right? Like that's the level of comedy of pro wrestling. But if you can do something that's legitimately funny because Comedies, I mean, the two top money-making movie genres, proportional to the money they cost to make, are comedies and horror movies, right? They're very low cost, very potentially high return because people feel very connected to them. Um, I'm curious if comedy will get better. I'm curious if, like, the horror elements of pro wrestling might get better as well. What, What kind of... Like when you look at your own, what entertainment you're interested in or your girlfriend or the girlfriend's kid, like what kind of movies do you guys watch or TV shows are you interested in? I mean, I like drama. I like a good story, hmm. uh, something that has a little backbone to it. it. It's hard for me to just sit there and watch like a, uh, let's, a lot of people are not going to like this. But let's say like Kenny Powers, Eastbound and Down, for example. Like, yeah. that guy kind of plays this character in every show, and it's just that stupid comedy, 
righteous gemstone. You can only like right. hit me with the same type of joke over and over and over again until I'm just like, uh, this has no substance to this. I need a little something to it. I like uh, I like trying to be able to figure something out, like a mystery or you know, something along those lines. But also at the same time, it needs some action. It can't be too slow. And if it has a little comedy, it needs to be like that. Uh, like the comedy I enjoyed in wrestling was always through promos of like a uh, The Rock or Stone Cold bickering or Triple H bickering with Shawn Michaels or something along those lines where it's almost like a uh, like two guys going at each other and they say a funny line, not necessarily like yeah. a funny skit where they're trying to like get something like a, a a quick pop in the backstage with like a clown or somebody following or something like that. I like the uh, people attacking each other with words in a funny manner that people understand in the mainstream of like what's going on right now. But I mean, it's all just contrary to what you like. Wrestling's different now. Um, and I, yeah. I don't know if I'm the, I don't know if I'm the audience that they're trying to play towards with, you know, like the AEW type of wrestling. So I'm interested to see what WWE does moving forward with the whole quarantine, the lockdown and kind of the reset of an era. Yeah. I, I, th- the one thing that I think Firefly and Boneyard, I'm interested in the things that they had in common. And I think one thing that they had in common, which actually shows a possible weakness, is Firefly only works with John Cena doing that. Um, he's the only one who had sort of the layered the layered career that you could point to. I'm doing a whole like analysis of the Firefly for a video. Yeah, go ahead. So I've, I've, I've had to watch the thing like a bunch of times and get all these screen captures. And what struck me was that there's some very heavy implications in that throughout that thing. And one of them was like the NWO shot that everybody went crazy for, right? Oh, look how hilarious that is that John Cena's like the Hollywood Hulk Hogan role. But to me, that, that only works because the story that they're really telling is John Cena is the only megastar that never went heel once he became a megastar. Hogan betrayed you. The Rock and Stone Cold betrayed you. John Cena never did. To me, that's why they threw that in there, was this implication that, like, look, like he never betrayed you, and yet you guys crap on him. I, yeah. I thought it was the biggest indictment of the wrestling fan, actually. And I was like, but you can only do that with John Cena. And Boneyard, if it's not Undertaker and it's somebody else, if it's Aleister Black, right? Let's, let's pick a character that's got sort of dark overtones. If they do Aleister Black and AJ Styles Boneyard, I don't think it's nearly as well received. I think people almost would reject it out of hand. But Undertaker has enough, like, like pathos with us that we'll go like we want it we want it to succeed because it's the undertaker right so we'll we'll kind of we'll we'll suspend our disbelief when undertaker's in obvious pain watching him climb that ladder actually was kind of painful i was like dude this guy's suffering and i mean i heard it took like eight hours to shoot that thing (laughs) i mean he was in pain and he legitimately busted his arm open from hitting that window and all that stuff and they decided (laughs) to keep it because it looked great you know um but i was like well what are they who are the stars that like to to make any of this work you gotta have star power period 
And uh, I don't who, – who are these stars that they're making? I think that's – one of the knocks of the Performance Center is they've made wrestlers who are stars, but they haven't made crossover stars. They haven't had one since Cena. Like the kind of guy who can show up on Saturday Night Live, the kind of guy that could go do movies. They don't have that guy, and I'm curious what they're going to do to do it, you know? Yeah, it's one of those things where, I, you know, I'm in a group message with a couple guys that everybody knows about, yeah. kind of like the famous Georgia group message. Well, one thing that me and Corey Hollis talk about a lot is that whole fact that there's no superstars in pro wrestling anymore. Like, there's, and you, there's no superstars hardly in anything. And I think social media has something to do with it, something to do with the fact that, like, you get a, to know these people more on a personal level and the mystique kind of goes away. I mean, look at The Undertaker. He's even going around mm. posting pictures with tigers now and breaking character. Now he's – is he Mark Calloway? Is he the American badass? Is he The Undertaker? Is he the, I mean, he can kind of get away with it, and we respect him enough to, like, hey, man, you've done this for 30 years. Now you can kind of be yourself for a little bit. We'll still play like you're The Undertaker whenever you come on TV. But, like, right. how do you move forward with that with guys that are trying to build their character right now? I don't think you can. You've got to be able to blur that line with somebody that's actually a badass. Those people, Brock Lesnar, Matt Riddle, Bobby Lashley, um, guys like that. And out of those guys, the only one they really do that with is Brock. And they kind of yes. make him look silly sometimes too because Brock should be able to kick anybody's ass on WWE TV. And I guess they let some guys beat him. Like Drew McIntyre looks believable, so I get it. Um, but, I mean – like I don't understand. I don't see how you make wrestling. I don't see how you make these guys believe it anymore. When I was a kid, I believed the guys because they were big and they, you know, they look like superstars. Now there isn't really no superstars. If they do look like a superstar, they can't talk. So it's just you can't find that perfect combination. Yeah, I mean Cena, like, like you know, what was so fascinating about Firefly to me was you could put him in all his old gimmicks. And it was a hoot, right? Like, oh, there's there's word life and blah, blah, blah. But what was amazing is no matter what gimmick, even when he came out in the orange shorts, which was his debut in WWE's then F, right? And he came yeah. out, but he couldn't hide the fact that he's a star. Like, <laughs> you know, right. he can't hide. He's just got it. I mean, I, I remember Cena when he was training in California with uh, Bassman. And I encountered him because I, like, stopped into their school to, like, use the ring to work out a couple of things. And there he was, right? So get, get who was in this class with him. I think about this all the time. It's him. Um, Looney Lane, who became a star of some note. She was most famous for being part of the, like, hot lesbian action bit that they did for a while. Um, okay. Samoa, Samoa Joe. Christopher Daniels. I mean, that's insane, right? So you have, like, six yeah. guys, and five of them ended up becoming, at the very least, top-level stars. And a couple of them extraordinarily large in the business. And right. is, is there that now? Um, I, I, I think part of it is the process to get into the pro wrestling business used to be very difficult. Cena... I mean, had to go through numerous gimmick changes. I remember he was the prototype back then. So he yep. was the prototype. And I remember he was cutting a promo. And he, I, I still remember the promo. So there was something there even back then where he said, 
<laughs> the prototype is like genetic perfection. You're the equivalent of a peanut butter and jelly with the crusts cut off or something like that. And I just, it just struck me as funny. Right. Um, right but I remember yeah. it. And um, like, yeah, who are the guys who are going to, you got to be able to talk, right. You got to be able to, to engage us quickly. Then you have to be booked and written appropriately. Like what was remarkable about the Firefly journey and even the Undertaker journey is while they had to do goofy shit <laughs> along the way here and there, for the most part, they were involved in like world beating amazing stuff. I mean, the Undertaker had this like streak that went forever in WrestleMania. And, you know, Cena was put in these legendary feuds. I remember when I felt like, okay, this guy is going to be a megastar. It was, it was a WrestleMania match with Big Show and Edge. And it was like an opening match thing. And I remember the finish was he picked up Big Show and Edge on his shoulders yep. and gave them the AA and, uh, or the FU back then. And I remember thinking like, wow, it's been a long time since I saw something extraordinary. And um, right. I just, I just wish they would. It's, I think it's the reason the performance center gets got, gets knocked a lot for having like MMA fighters and like sports figures that never did wrestling or models. But the reason they're doing that is they're trying to find something exceptional that isn't tangible. That isn't, um, you know, great, great hurricane Rana. Like that's not what they want. They really want somebody who's like exceptional, not just as a wrestler, but as a star. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I think that right now the performance center is just uh, cloning guys. They're cloning guys mm -hmm. that are, you know, just your prototypical, what a professional wrestler should be. And the ones that kind of stand out are the ones that are not that, you know, your Johnny Gargano, your um, Thomas Yampa or whatever his name is. It's the guys that yeah. like, are not what your uh, your prototypical old school, what you would think would be a superstar pro wrestler is. And um, I mean, they they try they go like through spurts. So say when I had my tryout, at the time they were trying to sign independent guys with ten plus years of experience and uh, guys that could kind of fill the void right now. And then, you know, a few months later, they started signing guys that were like athletes, guys that they could kind of mold into what they thought the WWE professional wrestler was going to be. So I'm not sure, like, how they get it because they've tried. I mean, they've tried the football player. They've tried the, the athlete. They've tried the 6'5-plus the guy. They've tried the UFC people. I mean, I don't know what people want these days. It's hard to – there's so much wrestling. What do they want? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a matter of – it's the, the, the shift in mentality of – it used to be, you know, at one point, and this is a very long time ago, whether this was Hollywood or whatever, I mean, the stories abounded, right, of so-and-so was plucked out of nowhere. I'm talking just like models and, you know, like Pamela Anderson showed up on – you know, they've got a camera going around the stadium, and they put the camera on her – and the audience reacted, right? And somebody saw that and found her and said, fuck, come be a model for me. You know, I like, I, there's no stories like that anymore. Now it's all mills. It's all people who want to be famous or people instead of, 
this person's got it. And I don't think people like that notion. They don't like the notion of some people just have it and some people yeah. don't. There's the, the, right. the I mean, we're in the you deserve it generation, right? You did your yeah. 10 years in the Indies. You're clearly more cut out to do pro wrestling, but there's a difference between being a pro wrestler and being a star. I was, I just watched that movie based on Paige's life, the fighting with my family. And yeah. what was, re- what was remarkable about it is, you know, it's her and her brother and they won't sign her brother, even though he's the prototypical, he runs the wrestling school. He's been great forever, blah, blah, blah. But you know, the Vince Vaughn character who's supposed to be like the coach is like, he just doesn't have it. He's a journeyman. And there's no other right. explanation given. And that's good enough. But I, I don't think nowadays, I think the mores, the social standard is, no, no, if you've put in the work, that's the, that's the notion that we're selling. If you've worked hard enough, you will attain it no matter what. But the truth is stardom and greatness are sometimes involve intangibles and that's a very hard thing to come to grips with I think and if you go back about a year ago that was my biggest that was like why I wrote the the little post I had about Marco stunt not to bring that back up again but no yeah exactly why I did it like when I grew up I grew up wanting to be those huge stars those stone coals those hogans those rocks those stings those takers those Kevin Nash's of Scott Hall, those type of figures, and then you look around. There's just like none of that now. And like, who gets the biggest pop when they when they show up on Monday Night Raw? It's not you know the guy that's been the champion going up. It's not Roman Reigns. It's not the guy that's doing all the house shows or Seth Rollins or you know those right. kind of guys. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's The yeah. Rock. It's uh, it's the, the the two biggest pops of 2020 so far have been, or it might have been in the end of 2019 when The Rock showed up on SmackDown was The Rock on SmackDown and Stone Cold when he came back to Monday Night Raw. The two biggest pops in the past two years of wrestling. And that's, yeah. I mean, you can't deny it. I mean, that's that's what it is. How do you get one of those pops? Like, But also, at the same time, how do you deny a Daniel Bryan when he's so over with the crowd and obviously the guy that they want to be the guy, and then you just kind of don't give it to him during that time frame? And when you do give it to him, it's too late. It's like those journeyman type guys, those guys that put in the 10, 15, 20 years, they have a time clock. They have a, they have a bump counter. And, you know, those guys can't make it that far. I, part of it might be, and this might be like an answer for what's wrestling's future, is the one aspect that is the most important to wrestling that has been the most underplayed in importance is – the producing slash writing part of it. There's this idea that, well, anybody can do that. Um, <laughs> right? The right. WWE yeah. has 40 writers under their thing, yeah. and it feels like they don't have one. And the reason is, like, they suck. They're not yeah. good writers, or there's something inhibiting their ability to be creative, to possibly make mistakes. You can't you can't tell Daniel Bryan's story and make him a star the same way that you do Seth Rollins or Roman Reigns. And the WWE only knew how to tell one kind of story for decades. And that was the Superman babyface champion. He does them wrong. 
they go around the circuit, and then the babyface champ gets revenge. They didn't know how to book a heel champion for 30 years. They, right. they couldn't do it. And then superstar Billy Graham showed them, oh, okay, we can draw money with a heel champion, but they still took the title off of him because they, it scared them too much, that they weren't comfortable right. with that story. And um, they're going to have to get very creative. They're going to have to improve things from the creative writing end. And I think that that's the one thing that they think that they don't have to do. But if they're going to compete with television, television's never been better overall. Um, the right. writing in television right. – is as good as movies used to be. Now, movies are where the hacks go, <laughs> who write the same yeah. stuff again and again and again and again. And television is where you go to go like, oh, my God, even documentaries are amazing, right? Because that's where the intelligentsia have gone to sort of frame stories and, and tell stories. Um, and so, WWE, so they've got to compete. Yeah. Yeah. So please. for me, um, sorry to interrupt. Start for me. Like if I'm going to go to Netflix or to you know wherever, I'm going there to watch a docu series because that's what keeps yeah. me coming back. Like the the realism to it, the actual story behind it, especially if it's a story I don't really know or something that I had heard of and I just want to know more details about. Like the docu series these days are going into such detail, but also getting their point across. So there's just got to be a way to to bring what's kind of happening mainstream right now and the way the world's going to wrestling because wrestling is such a great way to entertain people because, I mean, unlike the UFC, you get to, like Vince McMahon always says, you get to pick your winner. You get to pick your yeah. star. And you would think that if you get to pick the guy that should be picked, every time you should be successful. Every time, you know, you should either give the people exactly what they want or exactly what they think they don't want but they just need to have it for right now until they actually get what they want you know um and somehow we've blurred the lines between we just give them nothing that they never want and just keep doing that and keep doing that and the people just keep coming back and that's the only reason why AEW is a thing yeah I mean WWE suffers too because they've even set up this weird convention for themselves where if there are any fingerprints on anybody that gets pushed to stardom, the crowd rejects it out of hand. If yeah. they sense that there's any machinations to make somebody a star, and newsflash, anybody who gets to be featured prominently was written that way, right? And so right. Yeah. anybody who's a star gets rejected out of hand. People are look, looking for reasons to say no instead of wanting to say yes. That's the biggest difference in pro wrestling now than 30 years ago. Fans yes, used to go along for the ride, and now it's, they sit with their arms crossed, and you have to get through all these layers of defense. And pro wrestling has done that to itself, first of all. So I'm not blaming yeah. fans out of hand. However, that's the first thing that I would work on. How do we break this logjam of of the audience that we're coveting, rejecting anything that we do out of hand so nothing can really catch fire or get over. There's things that get over enough, but, I mean, numbers don't lie, right? During the CM Punk era, they were worried that they would drop below $4 million. <laughs> and, right. You know, like yeah. that was seen as like, oh, my God, $4 million. This is horrible. Now we're well below two. And right. 
I mean, it's not working. And so I'm curious what they'll do to break this logjam. Maybe coronavirus, in a weird way, I've said it before, maybe it will have a positive effect where things being taken away sometimes do create this sort of honeymoon effect when they're back. And people are like, okay, you know, like, <laughs> all right, maybe I just need to loosen up. And I'm just glad that, I, you know, I get to go to wrestling shows again. And the vocal minority that have taken over, even indie wrestling, right, um, yeah. will, will slack up a bit. At least I hope. Um, but who knows? Yeah, I've been thinking that for a while. Every sport has an offseason, and wrestling is the only sport that doesn't have an offseason. Even in yeah. uh, mixed martial arts, these guys, you don't see them every week. You see them, you know, three times a year tops. And you only get to see them, you know, two or three weeks leading up to that for their promos and their, getting their media circuit out of the way. I think there's just so much wrestling that the wrestling fans like, all right, so Monday night, let's see what happens. Oh, that was great, but I bet somebody can do it better on a Tuesday at a at a, uh, a VA, well, let's go to Wednesday night. Let's go see what's on TV now. Oh, that person did something better. Now Thursday, that person one up them. Everyone's getting one-upped daily via social media, via an Instagram one-minute video, a Twitter gif, um, a YouTube mm-hmm. series, something free they can watch. They don't have to pay for the network when they can go get these other things. You've got IWTV doing all the independent stuff. And then you got the other promotion, AEW, kind of being like that creative brand, trying to be like the punk rock but, some version of professional wrestling right now. I don't know. I just don't know how wrestling can change or get better unless you take wrestling away from the people and let them be like, you know what? It's time for a reset. And you need to be lucky that there even is wrestling for you to cheer for or for you to boo. And maybe when it comes back, maybe you should jump on board and just play along because wrestling's at its best when the crowd plays along and actually knows what's going on. Yes. You can be a smart fan. You can be a smart fan. Just be a smart fan and know who to cheer and who to boo. Don't be the asshole fan that just boos the person that should be cheered and cheer the person that should be booed. Because that just makes wrestling suck for the talent, for the producers, for the writers, for and then all the other people around you. And there's always that one person, that one group in the crowd who tries to be a part of the show, take over the show. Whether it's a thousand people at a WWE show or ten people group at a Southern Honor show, there's those jackasses that sit there and just try to take over the show and ruin it for everyone. And it, it's, it's disheartening. And I wish, I think a reset is good. A reset is good. I agree. I, you know, I would be curious. I mean, at PCW, I had the advantage of, we ran a shit ton of shows right back in the day, a ton. Right. But I would bring guys in for runs. I remember, you know, Xavier Woods now, but Austin, he would go out of his way. He would ask to go on first at Rampage, which used to run on a Friday night. He would ask to go on first so he could race over to our show. And he would do our show for free. But, but he knew I was just going to use him for this limited run, and I would just lay it out for him. I'm like, you'll come in, you know, I'll put you over Simon Sermon, uh, you'll go over this guy, you'll build up a thing, and then you'll wrestle Shane Marks in week four for the title. And then you don't have to work for us for a while. And he's like, oh, that sounds cool. Because then he just put his all into those four weeks. You know, he helps us out, puts Shane Marks over on the way out, and then he's gone for a while. And so when we would bring him back, it would be this like, oh, awesome, he's back. But they just never – they couldn't get tired of him. Um, Right. I think there is something to that. And, you know, I I do agree. Like, 
God, you just need a break, right? Like, I, I mean, UFC, yeah. you just don't get tired of the guys. I was, you know, I was thinking about, because, you know, UFC has that card coming up, and I'm, I'm a big fan like you are, and I think you just, you're allowed to be in love with the guys. The guys, there are guys that have mystique, right? George St. Pierre, yep. like, you know, and it's not that the guys are infallible. Like, UFC did it right. Guys had guys have losses on their record, but they don't suffer for it like they do in right. boxing. Say, they've done a, they right. did a great job of educating their fan base and controlling their fan base, frankly. And yeah, and as UFC because I've been to UFC events. I'm sure you have as well. What's wonderful yeah. are those moments where because obviously there's people who root for this guy versus that guy, right? So it's, it, mm-hmm. but there are moments where the crowd collectively will acknowledge something, right? If they've witnessed just a great fight, there's this energy of we're all unified at this moment of acknowledging that was an incredible performance by both, or right. that was an unbelievable come back and this person won and even if we wanted the other person to win we will all acknowledge that this person was great i just remember there was a like like a straw weight women's fight and one of the girls got i mean she got her face beat um but she ended up winning she just like desperation caught her in this fucking guillotine and she was cinching it in and everybody even the people who were rooting for the other girl at first got behind this moment of we're going to acknowledge that that's great and then when she won everybody collectively cheered and i would love for wrestling to figure out a way where people can collectively embrace an experience where you know, the glass breaks for Stone Cold coming to the ring when Foley is wrestling The Rock, and there's not a person there who's being an asshole, right? Where, right. where yeah. everyone's going like, we're getting to see the thing that we wanted to see, and it's amazing. And yeah. um, Or wrestling being able to adapt. I mean, everyone's talking about, like, that Rock-Hogan match from WrestleMania 18, right? A lot of people are saying, like, that was my favorite match, and that was a great match, and that showed that Hogan could work. And I'm laughing because if you watch that match objectively, it shows that Hogan can't work because he's completely lost. (laughs) The crowd cheers him, and he completely flips out. He literally misses two spots in a row because he's like, what do I do? And it's a testament to The Rock that The Rock goes, fuck this. They're cheering you. We're not going to fight it. We're, we're switching this to a Hogan match. You know, right. <laughs> like, we're going to make this a yeah. Hogan match. And yeah. that's what's amazing to me, that even people in the pro wrestling business don't seem to understand that, that it's rock adapting to what the crowd was giving him. Toronto was like, we're cheering Hogan. We don't care that he ran you over with the truck. We don't care that he hit you with the wrench. <laughs> Fuck that. We're che- it's Hogan. And so he makes himself the heel puts Hogan over as the face long enough that they can get the story of the match over. And I think like, that's amazing. That's what pro wrestling needs is guys that can't just do spot A through Z, but go, all right, I sense the direction of the crowd is going here. Let's exacerbate that. Let's emphasize that. Let me sacrifice myself to get this other guy over. 
Um, right. I think much more of that is needed, definitely. Yeah, I agree, and that's one of my favorite matches of all time. I'm a huge, like I said, I'm a huge Rock yeah. fan, but I'm also a fan. Like you hear all these people saying, like Cena and everybody, that the WWE universe or the fans are also like one of the biggest superstars, and that's true because the reason why I like that match so much is the reactions that the fans had, the the passion and the uh, the atmosphere that the fans gave those guys to be able to mm-hmm. work on that stage. Like that's exactly what they should have. Now. Could now here's the other thing. This brings back to our original point. That yeah. match doesn't have that same electricity or that same feel, or it's not even talked about in the same category. If there's no crowd, because that match, eh, it's all right. You know, as far as like a technical yeah. match, eh, all right. But it was the reaction from the crowds and the emotion and the stuff that they were able to generate from them. That's what made that match so special. You know, watching Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan. Eh, not that good of a match. It's all right. You know, kind of, you know, all for a body slam. Right. But the crowd made that match one of the most memorable moments ever in WrestleMania history. So how do these guys go out there and have a good match with no crowd and almost pretending like there is a crowd? I don't – and I think that's what we saw at WrestleMania. Like, that's why the Boneyard was so special and the Firefly match was so special because it was different. It's what it should have been. There was noise in the background. There was sound effect. In the other matches, it was just nothing. Really, and it was, it was kind of sad almost to see a, a I agree. arena match. But at the same time, go back a few years or several years. The best empty arena match is the Rock versus Mankind, and they were the first ones yeah. to do it. I mean, because it's so a, because it was you know post produced, right? I mean, they yeah. they cut stuff out. Like I, you know, who I felt were the big losers of WrestleMania 36 was Edge and Orton, because whoever yeah. didn't trim that thing down to 15 minutes, whoever didn't direct it, whoever didn't produce it, and go, you, do you 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 guys are telling the same story in every room that you're going in. There's right. no escalation of the action until you got to the truck. But then the escalation just amounted to now you're hitting your big moves instead of just throwing each other's head in everything, right? Yeah. Like, they, they, if you're going to do a movie, then you have to do a movie. I think that's yeah. the lesson. If there's no crowd, then your audience are the people that are viewing, and it's a very different psychology, right? So all these guys who have learned to wrestle in VFW halls where, you know, you turn around and go shut up to get heat, now saying shut up to a camera doesn't make any sense. And so yeah. and acknowledging a crowd or interacting by looking at something doesn't apply. So then I think it just has to become a very personal feeling struggle. And, you're, and it's, more, it's more voyeuristic instead of interactive. And I think that's a different kind of storytelling and a different kind of producing. Um, yeah. Very different. I mean, you know, that last man standing match, you do that in front of a crowd, it's, it becomes a good match instead of, in my opinion, a, dr- a fucking drudge, you know, um, because they get no reactions. Taking a cold bump, too, that's another thing that I think is going to have to be looked at because, man, I don't know about you, but, like, bumping cold – like that, the kind of bumps that those guys were taking because it was WrestleMania, and you're doing it without any adrenaline pump from a crowd, without any payoff immediately when you do it. You know, Kevin Owens throwing himself off of a thing, <laughs> crashing through a table, and it's just like, yeah. 
Ooh. <laughs> and then yeah, they're like, that's a tough ask for the guys, I think. You know, really tough yeah. ask. It was a, it was a chat, but you know, hats off to those guys as well for going out there Absolutely. and giving their all. For I just think that maybe it was a good test run to see kind of, you know, how the the universe or how the wrestling fans are going to take it, and I think they got their answer. I think the answer was obviously, hey, more cinema type stuff, more edited type stuff, little let. A little less live stuff. We don't need that. We don't need the the aspect of this is actually live. We're not idiots. We know this is not live. Just tell us that it's been pre-recorded and it's going to be cut up and, and the matches are going to be shorter. It's going to get to the point. The attention span of people these days is so minute. So, like, yeah. Just take my girlfriend for example, Tia. She'll be watching a video I do, mm-hmm. like my podcast or something, and you know they're forty to sixty minutes long. She will be and. 30 seconds into it, and she's like, this is boring. I'm like, girl, right, give it a little, give, give, give us some substance. Like, first get out of the intro before you just completely shit on it, you know? Like, give us a chance to actually get to what the actual, the good part of the podcast is, which is probably 25 minutes in after we get done kind of just shooting the breeze. Um, yeah. Everybody wants that Instagram, Snapchat, quick you know, the Twitter 140 character type of information, which is what our news has went to, which is what, you know, all of our, the sports highlights have went to. I don't have, don't even watch sports anymore, Platinum. I watch the UFC and I watch a little bit of wrestling, but I catch up on sports. It's about 30 seconds when it's over on Twitter, when there's a one minute and 30, 30 second clip out that shows me every big hit, every awesome play and the final score. So why do I have to sit there and waste three hours of my life? If I can figure it out in a minute and 30 seconds. It's why ESPN is suffering and dying, is it not? Because, yeah. I, I mean, when when I was younger, I mean, we would play SportsCenter on loop, right? SportsCenter yeah. would play, and we would watch it, and then we would watch – they would replay the same SportsCenter for four hours, and we would continue yeah. to watch it. Makes no sense. Yeah. Now, why am I going to do that? It literally sends notices to my phone. This is the score. This is what happened. Click here and watch the highlights. Yeah, Why would I ever watch ESPN? Yeah. Yeah. Most and, of the uh, information that I get is just a headline. I won't even actually watch it. I'll be like, yeah, I saw uh, I saw Connor knock out Cowboy the other day in 40 seconds. Did you? Well, no. I'd have read it on ESPN. I got a notification about it. Yeah, that's what that's how people are these days. Mm-hmm. So I don't it's, know, man. Yeah, it's, a, it's very different. Um, I I think I do think that there are opportunities, but again. I just feel like people have to get over these stages of grief of like wrestling as, as we knew it when we were kids is it's done. And I think this whole thing has, it was already done before coronavirus. Don't get me wrong. I think the coronavirus not having live crowds exposed so many things about pro wrestling, which is it's been very maladaptive to the medium of television and the modern condition of social media platforms, lowering people's attention spans and giving them so many options. Um, you know, that's, you know what we, me and Jeff G, when we talk, our sign that a match is great is that we put the What's tablet that? down and watch it. <laughs> that's I our ultimate you. compliment. You know, so it's just right. like, well, yeah, for so-and-so I put my tablet down during WrestleMania. I mean, the thought of, 20 years ago that I would have been preoccupied with something else while WrestleMania was going on was unheard of. But now it's like, 
WrestleMania is the backdrop. And maybe wrestling needs to acknowledge that too. How can they be realistically the backdrop, but at least they are people's backdrop instead of them picking a different option. Um, You know, it's like people lament like, Oh, MTV doesn't play music videos anymore. You know why? Because people don't watch music videos anymore. (laughs) <laughs> so, like, yeah. I mean, wh- who are they to blame because they don't want to go out of business? No, they have to adapt. And I think pro wrestling is like, we want lo- see more, more wrestling, less, you know, that, that's the lament that you always hear from old school guys, right? We want longer matches, but I guarantee you on Raw yesterday, they gave you longer matches because they had to. Between guys yeah. of little note, and I shudder what those ratings were. And, and once they hit right. the second commercial break on Aleister Black against Apollo, I guarantee you people were not watching because it's like, yeah. <laughs> like well, it's like, I mean, looking at me, I'm a huge wrestling fan. I'm a wrestler, been doing it. Um, yep. Watched all of WrestleMania. Didn't watch Raw. I mean, it's just, no. Like I haven't watched Raw. I haven't watched a whole Raw in months leading up to WrestleMania. I watch WrestleMania just because that's like the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that's my thing. I'll watch WrestleMania. I'll watch the Super Bowl. I'll watch the College Football Championship. I'll watch all the UFCs. I'll watch the big things. So I don't know how they get me back in. And I'm a huge wrestling fan. I don't know how yes. they get me back in or if I'm even the target audience. Like I said, I don't think I'm the target audience anymore. If they're if they're going that route and trying to please everybody that is a huge wrestling fan at this point, these new 19 to 28-year-old I mean, I'm in that group kind of too, but these new, this new generation of like wrestling fan and their expectations, because I'm not that I, I I'm more old school. You know, I did an experiment last week because I, I'm all about like sort of fixing problems, even if I'm not in a position to really fix them. And I went, right. what's, what's AEW got to do? And I go, maybe the answer isn't my thinking. So I had my kids watch. And I'm like, just fire off questions. Tell me ideas. What would make you watch this show? And then tell your friends about it. And then all of you talk about this show. What would it take? So they watched it. And I just kept track of all the questions they would ask and the suggestions that they had. And I compiled all of them. And it was fascinating. Because, again, they're like, Dad, there's nothing cool about this for me. And then when right. they and then when they would be interested in they're like I don't know who this is, like Kenny Omega, right? So I'm trying to explain to them. Oh, amongst Indian they go like, yeah, but I don't care. Like I don't know who he is. I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's bad. I don't know what he does that's cool. And it's like and you know they watched his match enough and he and it's a perfectly good technical match and they go like that's cool. They go, but that's not real. <laughs> right? They go like it's right. not real. So it's not like when they used to watch, they used to be big Ronda Rousey fans during her whole run, right? Because they were like, yeah. this is cool. This is the chick kicking ass. They could watch a documentary about Ronda Rousey. She was all over the place, right? And they did a story right. about her on HBO, and they watched that, and they're like, oh, that's so cool. I mean, they knew details about her life, and they, yeah. they were right. They're like, I don't know who any of these people are, Dad, and they won't tell right. me who they are. And I went, yeah. oh, my God. It's really that simple. They're like, I don't know who they are. So yeah. why do I care? And like, there's everybody's, and they, they asked this really simple question, which I thought was really great. Why is it in wrestling 
when they show their video, it's their name and their face and a couple of moves. When it's any other sport, they tell you who they are. They go like, even in football, the guys will go, you know, blah, 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 offensive line, university of blank, right? Like they, they give you a little insight, a way to connect. My kids just kept saying that every other sport and every other like person that we love on YouTube, right? They love YouTube. And they go like, all of those people talk about themselves. They're like, dad, you talk about yourself. Yeah. Right. It's like, why do, why do we not talk about these? We, they just assume we know all these people. Right. And it's like, I don't know them. And I'm like, you're right. I don't know what the answer is, but she's right. Like, I don't know who Lance Archer is, right? If I'm a, an outsider tuning in for the – that was what's so great about the Monday Night Wars was they were fighting for your attention. And so when you would turn, you would see something that would grab your attention every time you switched from channel to channel. They were fighting for that attention, Um and putting in that time, I just don't get the feeling that wrestling understands who their competition is. And it's right. not hey. another wrestling group, you know. So Larry just texted me and said that uh, Raw did $2.1 million last night, which was oh, 29% down from last year. Because, <sighs> I mean, the Raw after WrestleMania is traditionally one of the most watched ones. Yeah, so. I mean, it's the – but it's also the one where the crowd hijacks and takes it over. Like, are people watching it because of the wrestling, or are they watching it for what's – who's the return going to be? I think now there's so much – I honestly think that Ronda Rousey was the return planned for the Monday after WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and due to everything happening, it's just not the time. Like, right. Ronda Rousey does not return without a crowd. The fact that Goldberg wrestled without a crowd blows my mind, Platinum. Like, he is the last yeah. person. That well, what's the, I mean, what's the point, crowd. right? Yeah. yeah. What's the best part yeah. of a Goldberg match? What's the best part of a Goldberg match? The it's unifying with the crowd. It's, it's those moments of we're all chanting together. We're all focused together. Yeah. We're all, you know, we're all directing our energy together towards making this thing an event. And you yeah. can't do it without a crowd. I know there's people who want to say, like, I think this WrestleMania is one of the best ones because blah, 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 blah. And I get the instinct, but it can't. <laughs> it can't be well, one of the best ones because there's no crowd. And no, so, it, like, hey, you know what? It's the best one without a crowd they ever did. That's, that's what you can say this year's WrestleMania. <laughs> the was. best two night one they ever did, too. It's unbelievable. Yeah, the best two night WrestleMania they ever did. The, the best, I mean, it was, a, it was a shot in the dark, and they gave it a shot. And most people wouldn't have done it. Most people would have canceled it, pushed it off, and hoped that the coronavirus is done in a few months. And you know what? Maybe, what if it's not done in a few months? What if, this is, what if this is a glimpse into the new norm? What if there isn't? Yeah. You know, I'm worried about, and not worried about it, I could care less, but, you know, if there is no football this year, people are going to lose their minds and go stir crazy, and that's a possible reality that we have to face. There might not be a football this year. There might not be an NFL. There might not be a baseball season. Uh, the NBA yeah. is probably canceled. Like, it's going into a different direction, and if WWE is not able to get back in front of a crowd, doing this without a crowd was just them saying, hey, we're going to be here no matter what. So here's us giving it a shot. And 
us giving it a shot is better than someone not giving it a shot. And get what you can. If you like wrestling, watch it. If you don't like wrestling, don't watch it. We'll try to play it by ear. We'll try to make it better and tweak it as we go. And hopefully they do. Hopefully they figure out a way to to make it more entertaining, more like a TV show. Maybe just more drama and less wrestling at this point. You don't have to have matches to get people to watch. Most of the time when I watch wrestling, I'm watching wrestling for the the promos and the the build for the next big pay-per-view. I could care less about what seven minutes TV match is about to happen on that, you know, it's going to be the simple shine heat real quick, hope spot finish and it's done. Like I, I could care less about that match. I want to know how are we building to the next pay-per-view to the next title match and what's the story going into that. So they need to focus yeah. on that and a little bit less wrestling right now would be a perfect time for them to tell us who all of their stars are, who's yeah. the good guys, who's the bad guys. And why should we enjoy them? They get two hours or three hours, whatever it is, every Monday to do that, and they don't need to waste it giving us wrestling. We have so much wrestling we can watch. Give us a story. They have a they have a chance to create. I was saying this the other day to a friend of mine. They have a chance to create Walter White, Darth Vader. Like they they it's a it's a blank canvas in a way. It's a gift because like they can literally hit reset. Yep. I mean, but they, but when they, they need it, they can pull on nostalgia. They still have access to stars that garner them attention and have a sort of have a value and ethos and a pathos about them. You can still yeah. bring out Undertaker to do a Boneyard match whenever you're feeling it, right? But they can, I mean, the NXT guys, I'm like, are any of them doing anything that's like moving the needle? No. <laughs> so like right. let's let's figure out how to reset this stuff. But I mean that's a, that's a big ask. But the alternative is WrestleMania is where they're losing fifteen to twenty million dollars. I mean that's shocking, right? This is that's certainly the first WrestleMania that probably lost money, and it's certainly the first one that lost that kind of money. There's a time where that would have put them out of business in '96. Right. I mean they were yeah. six million in the uh, in the red in 96 and they were like oh the wcw had them on the ropes six million down um and so the money that we're talking about is so shockingly big and the good thing is i mean basically they're all they are is a content producing company at this point they're living off of the incredibly huge tv contracts so and they so they have room to make mistakes but they got to. I think the the long and short of this thing, we're gonna wrap it up soon. Is they so they got to figure out a new way to do it um, because yeah. do, doing it in in the traditional way and obstinately expecting wrestling fans to come along um, is definitely not going to work. That much we know. So well, looking back at when you said you were quizzing your kids and asking them, you know, what is good. I think that's a that's a great study to do. More people should probably do it. You know, they're probably not excited about it or intrigued because there's no characters. You know, if you look in the yeah. 80s and 90s, it was all character-based. Like, the people had a character. They weren't playing themselves. And then you had guys break out like a Shawn Michaels, like a Stone Cold, like a Triple H, like the Rock. Even Triple H was playing a character. And Stone Cold, too. But they started breaking out as this real-life, you know, hero or villain. And then we saw the transition. Well, now everybody in wrestling became 
pretty much themselves yeah. or just a, not a character, just a bland person. And it was, well, now who's the biggest, who's the strongest, who's the fastest, who's got the most muscles, who's the best wrestler, who has the, the best finisher. It wasn't about the character of it. And um, if we could get back to the characters, if you look right now, what's the most over part of WWE? The Fiend. What's the only character in the WWE? The Fiend. I mean, if there was more of that, not all of that, but just more of that, it might be able to keep your attention a little bit more. Maybe. I don't know. Absolutely. No, I've always been of the mind. I've always taught the guys this. You may hate the gimmicks that I give you and make you play when they were very new. And I go, your job is to work this gimmick to the best of your ability. And then once you get to the main event, you can shed the gimmick because you are the gimmick. Right. Right. And I mean, that was what's so fascinating about the Firefly Funhouse is you look at Cena as green as grass, nothing. He used to do the Oklahoma roll as his finisher, I remember. And then, you know, right. then it's thug life, thugonomics. Hustle. But the, the more he got to the top, the less he shed a gimmick and the more the gimmick was him. Same with Triple H. Yeah. I mean, he's Hunter Hearst Helmsley, for crying out loud. It gets no more yep. gimmicky than that. But then, right. you know, the higher you go, then you shed it. And then they fall because they've fallen in love with you. That mm-hmm. you you show your that you're a good performer and one that can garner attention until you have genuine emotion attached to you. Then you can get rid of the attention getting stuff because it, the connection is deeper. That's always right. been my contention. And the thing I worry about is who are the people that they're going to connect with? Because they're demanding that connection right off the jump. When you throw somebody out there without a gimmick, you're basically saying, all right, make them fall in love with you. But it's like, I have nothing to offer. What do I have to offer compared to Undertaker? Right? Like they've, they've spent, they've spent 30 years with that guy. Like give me something to get their attention beyond whatever stupid move I'm doing in the ring. It's all, right. uh, you know, I used to teach Davey Richards, who had it from the jump, right? He was a guy who was going to make it regardless of whether I trained him or not. Let me just say that off the jump. But the thing that I taught him that no other wrestling teacher taught him was, well, maybe you'll get the title of best fake fighter. Who fucking cares? Find right. something that they can attach themselves to. So he came up with this, this idea that he was like a hunter in wrestling, and he didn't overtly do it, but it was the underlying everything that he did, this idea of intensity and this idea of focus and, like, pointing the finger guns and then shooting it and then attacking somebody. This idea of I'm here to beat you. I'm singularly focused on winning this match in a very realistic-looking way. And I go, right. like, even that little something was enough to separate him from the pack. I'm yeah. hoping that the guys – take this opportunity. I mean, I was a little disappointed in Austin theory, right? They give him this tag thing at WrestleMania. And then he was on last night. He didn't even tag in his partner. So they just left him in the ring to do his thing. And there was nothing exceptional about him except for the commentators saying how exceptional he was, but there was nothing about him. His look was terrible. He looked like a good looking young dude. And then he grew that heel beard and he looks like shit, mm-hmm. right? It's like, <laughs> let these guys be special. And the guys have to just, they have to seize it. I know that's a cliche, but it's like, if you gave me five minutes of WrestleMania time, believe I'm going to find a way. 
And it's not going to be through some ridiculous move. It's going to be, what can I do that people will talk about or think about when it's done? And I didn't yeah. see one younger guy doing that, you know? Right. So. Yeah, well, I don't, I wonder if they're afraid to like get fired for trying something outside of the box. Like they're just, yes. you know, at that point, like I put, I try to put myself in, in their shoes. So say I get called up to WWE and I'm an Austin Theory. I'm in NXT yesterday. And now I just got called up to WrestleMania because someone gets hurt. And I'm like, Oh, well they've, you know, they trust me to go to WrestleMania. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do what they tell me to do, but I'm afraid to do anything else because I don't want to not get this opportunity again. But at the same time, you might not get that opportunity again if you don't go outside the box and do something that might put you out of your comfort zone in order to be remembered by the fans outside of, hey, I'm a good-looking 22-year-old that's jacked and I got abs. Well, guess what, buddy? You're now in the WWE. There's a lot of guys up there that are just as good as looking or better looking that also have abs, but a lot stronger, a lot better, a lot more athletic. I think he's a star, but it, it you got to find that thing. And like I, I, I feel like I fall into the same category as like, what do you do these days to stand out? Like it's not about how hard you try or how good you are or how big you are, or how good enough in shape you keep yourself. It's all about like, do the fans like you? And right now, most of the time, the more in shape you are, the the more you you try, the more you look like a wrestler, the less they're going to like you. But what like what's the character? What are the people looking for? And I don't, I can't figure it out. I can't figure out like you can't even be a heel these days because people just shit on the whole idea of you trying to be a heel because you're being a heel. It's, yeah, I don't even like. It's, I don't know. To, to to me, it's a combination of writing. They have to get better at writing. I mean, when, you know, I was, when I started PCW up again in 2009, it was like, there were, we were already in the realm of, well, there's, I mean, and people would tell me, you're not going to be able to have a heel that everybody hates. Just give up on that and give up that notion. And I went the opposite. I'm like, bullshit. So I created Dwight Power. Like someone's going to root for right. a, like a, belli- a belligerent white supremacist who hates everything that Atlanta's <laughs> about. And I'm going to okay. have him, you know, in his first match, he's going to fucking grab a hold of this black girl and he's going to stomp her in the face repeatedly until we pull him off of her. And then he's going to cut this right. promo that's going to make everybody incredibly uncomfortable. Like, yeah. or, you know, it's like, what, what did they love at PCW? They loved PCW itself. That was the only thing that I could see that they all collectively loved. So I created the empire and brought in Jeff G. Bailey to run it and took PCW away from them. I had the empire wipe out PCW for nine months. You know, where it's right. just like, now it's the belligerent asshole show. I had that luxury. But the guys, I, I, this is what I would caution everybody in wrestling. Don't be so busy trying to get or keep a job that you don't do your job. And your, yeah. and your job is to get fucking over. Writers, bookers, promoters, wrestlers, that is never going to change. Your job is to be special. And to connect people want to be, they want to touch greatness and you have to, and that means you're going to fail. I, 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 I hope the WWE gives up this notion that that, cause that's what we're talking about. Right. Um, I saw where like Stephanie McMahon flubbed the, um, the catchphrase of WrestleMania 36, which was, you know, too big for just one night. 
right? Right. She flubbed it. And instead of making her redo it, they just kept the flub. And so everybody, and, and then everyone was like, and then everybody resented her for flubbing, even though nobody right. corrected it because they were afraid of getting admonished because she had done that many times in the past, apparently. When somebody screwed up a promo, she would admonish them. They have to lose that mentality. Like right. people have to be allowed to fail, especially if we're pre-taping yeah. everything. What the fuck are we mad about? Like shoot right. it again, yeah. you know? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, like failures are going to have to happen. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that wrestling AEW, WWE fucking the Indies. I hope all of them try big stuff and blow it and they're going to fail more than they succeed and we have to get out of this mentality of calling everything out that's a failure and just going like, right. all right, that didn't work. Let's try this instead of, we'll see, they don't know what they're doing. And, and you know, AEW like rising and falling every week, depending on how they did. It's like, it's like, I mean, we're not going to survive. Like wrestling, pro wrestling right. is not going to survive as an entertainment medium if it doesn't change. And that change is going to inevitably mean a lot of stuff is not going to work. So. Yeah. Man, but mm-hmm. thank you so much. I mean, what, so UFC is coming up, right? What what are things yeah. that are you looking forward to? We'll talk about that instead of talking about what your booking is coming up. But, like, what are things you're looking forward to right now? Man, right now I'm just looking forward to just kind of relaxing and taking a break. Now, I know I had a little break prior to me coming back, but still, like, just not having to be anywhere or do anything, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm yeah. actually enjoying it a little bit, but – the only thing I really watch is UFC and the occasional like wrestling pay-per-view. So the only thing that bothered me about this whole lockdown and quarantine was when they took the gym away from me and UFC away from me. I was like, well, this actually sucks. I guess I feel everybody's pain. Um, so what I did was I bought my own home gym, took care of that problem. And the UFC is still running. So, yeah, thank yeah. you. So, uh, so I'm, uh, you know, I've always wanted one and I've just, having that comfortability of like having a gym membership is just too easy to like put a bunch of money into a gym. But I kind of looked at it the same way as when empire shut down and I had to start traveling. Like it's either, you know, you got to do it now and might as well make the best of it. So I put together the best thing that I could possibly put together and I'm taking a lot of pride in it and I'm excited about it. It makes me happy, but also the UFC, I'm looking forward to that. And supposedly Dana White's a G. And he said he don't care about coronavirus. He's going to buy his own private island. He's going to run on Indian reservations. He's going to keep going every week. So uh, he, he wins promoter of the year and, as far as I go. And I guarantee you, Vince McMahon won't be too far behind. If he gets shut down everywhere, old Vince will be buying himself a private island too or sharing his with Dana. It's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see what people do um, in this situation. And, again, it's going to be big choices and failures, but also um, successes. There's, op- you know, and chaos breeds opportunity, right? So I hope, I'm, I'm glad, I mean, when I saw you were building that gym, I was like, that's cool. And like you and Joe Black, I will read your stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is what they're doing workout. Cause I, right now, cause they shut down the gym in my complex for a while. They didn't remember to do it. And that was awesome. Right. Like yeah. then they did. Right. And so, you know, so I didn't work out for a couple of weeks and I hated it. I'm like, this is no excuse. So now it's a combination of P90. I have one set of dumbbells. And so Joe Black just put out this, I get a chair, I do this, I lift till failure on this, but I'll do sets on this. And I'm like, great, what's to stop me? 
you know, right. like just make the best of it. It's all we can all well, do, I guess. So Here's some advice. Yeah. So one of the best bodies of all time and one of the best athletes of all time is Herschel Walker. That man Absolutely. never even lifted weights. He did push-ups, pull-ups, and sit-ups. And no, he didn't do them once a day. He did them all day, every day for decades. And if you look at him now in his 50s or 60s, whatever he is, he's still jacked. That's the only man to never do a sport, decide, you know what, I'm going to start fighting people at 49, 50 years old and go 2-0 and in MMA. The best athlete of all time is Herschel Walker. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. And if you yeah. – I mean, he's he's proven it. Like, he was one of the first ones to – I think he's he's a big Trump fan, and he, he was posted on Twitter, like, by all the Trump supporters or by all the Trump family. And it was Herschel Walker doing, like, a uh, presentation of, listen, I've been doing the corona workout since I ever started working out. I never used weights. Just do push-ups, pull-ups, and sit-ups, and you can get this type of body. I mean – He's a, he's a good example of someone to follow and that you can get something done. It's just a matter of the work you want to put in and eating right, you know. It's just it's tough time. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, man. I mean, for my part, you know, it's like, you know, I, people send me equipment and stuff, and so I've been, like, I put together that video for the Boneyard, and that, that thing right. took me, like, eight hours for a minute and a half to record right. the track, to find the right musical backing, to put the video clips together, but I loved it. And so that's my yeah. thing. Now I've come up with all these video ideas and um between scrambling for work and that, you know, why not, right? Well, like why? Yeah. I mean, I'm old, but like why not learn a new trick and just make it happen? What's the alternative, you know? So, yeah, during this time I'm trying to learn a little bit of video editing myself and it's uh, it's challenging. I mean, you oh see God. guys on YouTube that just make a bunch of money, and like you're like, who is that guy really? Like, he's really just good at video editing and making himself look really cool, and doesn't really have a great story to tell, you know. So video editing is tough, but I, I'm trying to learn it during this downtime. And hopefully, be able to come out with some stuff when everything gets going back up. Awesome. Well, know. thank you so much, man, for having this conversation with me. Um, just. Real smart guy and a very different perspective than mine. I think you brought a lot to it. And I, I hope wrestling people, really anybody who listened to this, get out of, get something out of it where it's like, you know, now's the time to start expanding your mind and thinking about what you can do, what you can try, and starting to make it happen and putting the skills in place so you're ready. And, um, yeah. those that don't, I mean, you know, I said not, 2019 was about the haves and have nots in Georgia wrestling 2020 is going to be about who takes advantage. Once things get rolling again, who's really ready to hit the ground running and take right. that thing in a completely different direction. There's problems to solve, right? Even when people are allowed to gather in large groups, I think this assumption that people are going to be like, yay and pack wrestling venues. I don't know if that's right. Right. And, but what can you do where you can help bring that about? I mean, there's a bunch of problems to solve. I don't, I'm glad I don't run a promotion anymore. <laughs> um, for yeah. sure. But uh, it'll be interesting to see and best of luck with everything, man. Um, I'm definitely going to try to get down to Tennessee sometime in the next month, it looks like. And so yeah. I would love to, you know, I'd love to show up and, and do your thing, which I think is, again, I just can't recommend it enough. I said it in full disclosure. I think the stuff that you're doing is very different than what Nick and Myron do. 
Um, but they're both really pivotal, not just for wrestling people. I think it's more about sort of different ways of thinking and different ways yeah. to sort of keep yourself not just motivated, but thinking in a very different way. Cause you're talking to successful people and right. you can't help, but get better if you're really learning, applying and thinking about what they're saying. So, yeah, it's hard to have conversations with people like that unless you invite them on onto a platform like that and then you're able to pick their brain. So I'm just taking advantage of it and I love it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Gunnar Miller. We certainly appreciate it. For Gunnar Miller, I'm Stephen Platinum and Larry Goodman somewhere out there in the ether. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you in a couple weeks on The Tipping Point. See you guys. See you. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.